All right, morning, everybody. Uh, my name is David Soren. I am the lead pastor here at Renovation Church. So happy uh, that you are here with us this morning. Uh, before we start, let me say something quickly. We've already kind of run out of room in this service on the floor as we're, uh, we need 220 more chairs. They're not coming for another six or seven weeks. If you are able to attend our third service, we have plenty of room for you there. If you are not, we still love you. Okay, all right. Let me start with a quick uh, straw poll. Uh, how many of you in this room wear glasses or contacts? Raise your hand if that's you. Why oh, should I ask the opposite? Look at all of you, okay. If you do, I don't know what your prescription is, but for a lot of people, their prescription is such that what they see with their glasses on versus what they see with their glasses off is a different thing, right? It's kind of like those YouTube videos where you see people uh, trying on glasses for the first time, especially little kids. Let me show you an example of this. Take a look at this video. Yeah. Lani, Lani, put them on. There's a ton of them like that on YouTube. Uh, having your eyes truly open for the first time is a powerful experience, and we're going to talk about that in the scriptures this morning. So everybody grab a Bible. Uh, Bibles are under the chair in front of you or under your chair if you're in the front row. I'd love for you to have it open. We want you to see it, feel it, study it this morning. Uh, we are in Ephesians. We're on page 799. Uh, if we get that on the screen, that would be great. Uh, so people can see it. Page 799 if you are using the Bibles here. Uh, we have covered the first 14 verses uh, so far of Ephesians chapter one. And in those verses, Paul has been telling the Christians about about this amazing treasure chest they receive when they follow Jesus as their savior. And he says this chest is secure and it is full of gospel gems about the good news of uh, Jesus Christ. And today, Paul's gonna pray that we can truly, in the core of who we are, understand that amazing truth. So let's take a look. So Ephesians chapter one, that means you find the big number one, and we are now at verse 15, so you just find the small 15 and you will be right where we're at. Okay, here's what it says. Paul says, for this reason, ever since I heard about your faith in the Lord Jesus and your love for all God's people, I've not stopped giving thanks for you, remembering you in my prayers. I keep asking that the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the glorious Father, may give you the spirit of wisdom and revelation so that you may know him better. I pray that the eyes of your heart may be enlightened in order that you may know the hope to which he has called you, the riches of his glorious inheritance in his holy people, and his incomparably great power for us who believe. That power is the same as the mighty strength he exerted when he raised Christ from the dead and seated him at his right hand in the heavenly realms, far above all rule and authority, power and dominion, and every name that is invoked, not only in the present age, but also in the one to come. And God placed all things under his feet and appointed him to be head over everything for the church, which is his body, the fullness of him who fills everything in every way. Okay, sometimes Ephesians, even more than a lot of other letters, can be kind of hard to understand because in Ephesians, Paul writes really long, kind of what you're told not to do in middle school, like run-on sentences. Okay, it just kind of keeps going. It's like, what? You, oh. What, right? And so it helps to kind of break it down. So let's break down the first part of this. So it starts out, verse 15, right, and 16. He's just saying, I'm just really thankful for you guys. I'm thankful that you love Jesus and that you love other people. And then in 17, he's just saying, I want you guys to know God better. 
And then in 18, he starts showing and explaining how he thinks that they can know God better. And he says, look at, so put your eyes on that small 18, because we're gonna really laser in here today. He says, I pray that the eyes of your heart may be enlightened in order that they may, and then he's gonna give us three things that we can see better spiritually if the eyes of our heart are enlightened. Now, that's kind of a curious phrase. We don't really speak that way a lot, the eyes of our heart. So let's kind of make sure that we understand that first. And the first thing we need to understand is the heart is used differently in the Bible than we use it today in modern day America. So when we talk about the heart in America, we're mostly talking about what? our our feelings, right? It's, it's hallmarky and lovey-dovey, and you think like when your favorite animated movie tells you to follow your heart, what do they mean? They mean your emotions, your feelings, particularly even in that moment, but in the Bible, that's not what your heart is. When you see the phrase the heart in scripture, it's referring to your core, who you are deepest inside of you. It's almost closer to like your will, we might say, what moves you. Uh, if you're really interested in this topic, I wanna recommend a great book to you. Uh, it's called uh, Renovation of the Heart by Dallas Willard, in part uh, responsible for the name of this church uh, way back in the day. But Willard does an amazing job. It's a deep book, but it's an amazing book of really understanding that it is the heart that ultimately moves us. The heart represents the center of your spiritual a mental and emotional life. Okay, so that's the heart, it's your core, but what then are the eyes of your heart? What does that mean? Well, the eyes in scripture represent what you see, but even more particularly, uh, what you know. And so what Paul is saying, if we kind of put this together, the eyes of your heart, is he's saying that we need to know things, not just in our brains, we need to know them deep down in the core of who we are. And I think this is kind of a challenge for us because a lot of us, especially here in the West, we know a lot of things. You might know a lot about God or you took a class about God or you heard a lot of messages about God, but I think in reality, deep down in our core, most of us only dimly see the true glory and the true beauty of God. I think for a lot of us, the eyes of our heart are still mostly closed. We're kind of like the toddler in the video before the glasses come on. But what happens when the glasses come on and they see clearly, they're moved, right? Did you see when they're like, <gasps> right? Something has happened because of what's happening with their sight. And so Paul is just saying, this is kind of the, the, the crux of this passage. He's saying, Christians, it is imperative, it is so important that you see who God is truly deep down in your core, otherwise it will never really move you. And I think that truth ought to change how you approach coming to church or even how you approach reading the Bible every day. Because I think for a lot of us, if we were honest, and maybe this is just subconscious, I think for a lot of us, when we read the Bible each day or we come to church, I think we just think, okay, here we go. I'm opening this up. If I could, if I could just learn like the perfect nugget this morning. Right, you open it up in the morning, you got your coffee, you're like what I need this morning is just a powerful devotional quote. Right? Sunday morning, what I need from Pastor David is just a fresh idea, right? a new way to look at things, and then I'll grow spiritually. And now, that, that may be true, uh, especially if you're new in your faith and you're still learning a lot, but for most of you, you know the truths of the faith, but you're not growing spiritually because the eyes of your heart 
or mostly closed. So what are these three things? I think this really matters because it gives us great, a great example of what Paul means. What are the three things that he wants the eyes of our heart to be open to, enlightened with, so that we could better see God and be moved by him? Look at verse 18. We're gonna take a look at the first one now. Verse 18. He says, I pray that the eyes of your heart may be enlightened in order that, here comes the first one, you may know the hope to which he has called you. So I'm gonna give you three prayers that I want you to pray this week, literally, when you have time with God. So I encourage you to write this down even. And here's the first one I want you to pray. Number one, just to pray, Lord, open the eyes of my heart to see the hope to which you have called me. And so what Paul is saying, he's, he's saying, I want you, as followers of Christ, to think deeply, deeply about the hope you have in Christ. And some of that is about the eternity that is coming for you, and some of it is about the hope that you have in Christ right now. You get to walk with Christ right now. You get to walk on the king's path right now. That's amazing. I'll tell you, as a person who spent 18 years not following Jesus Christ, I'm so thankful to God for that hope just to walk on that path right now. And we have so many amazing things coming for us. Uh, the, The late, great, Timothy Keller once explained it this way. He said, I think a lot of people get really stunted in their faith development because they haven't actually grasped how remarkable God's redemption is. And Keller says, it's kind of like we're like a little child who's playing with a, a toy truck. But when their toy truck breaks, they just become inconsolable, right? They're just crying and throwing a temper tantrum and everything. And just as the child is wailing about their truck, let's say the mom rushes into the room and she says, honey, honey, I've got news for you. Great news, a distant relative has died, which at first doesn't sound like great news, but a distant relative has died and they've left you a hundred million dollars. And let's say that child whose truck just broke responds and looks up at their mom and says, I don't care, my truck is broken. And Keller says, that That is the state that many Christians are in. Because the truth is, what you have in Jesus Christ is greater than $100 million. And I guarantee you, 100 years from now, you're gonna agree with what I just said. It is greater than $100 million, and yet for most of us, we can't get our eyes off the broken trucks in our lives. And it's like, sure, yes, on paper, we can say, oh yeah, what's coming for us is wonderful. But do you see here, this is what Paul is saying in Ephesians, do you see here how just the knowledge of that isn't really moving you? It's got to move, this hope has to move beyond just knowledge, it has to go deep into your core of who you really are. Hope, and really understanding hope matters. I think of of Viktor Frankl, who survived a long, long time in the concentration camps of the Nazis in World War II. And uh, he once made a really interesting observation. He said what happened every year in the concentration camps is people would die in just huge numbers right after Christmas, every year. He said what would happen is people would get in their minds this hope that we're gonna be home by Christmas, be home for Christmas, around the fire, with the family, and they would just keep going because they were so set on that vision, that hope, they were gonna be home for Christmas. And then he said when December 26th came, they would just start dying. Because why? Because the hope was gone. 
It wasn't really driving them anymore. And I think this is where many of our secular, non-religious American neighbors live. They don't ultimately have much hope. What is there to hope in for them even beyond this life? And I think that's what brings so much anxiety, so much depression in many ways into our culture right now. And as Christians, we can't look like that. We can't imitate that. We should absolutely stand out as different. And that's why Paul is praying that the eyes of your heart, the eyes of your core would be open to the $100 million hope that you have in Jesus Christ. But do you feel that? Do you really feel that? Do you know that deep down inside of who you are? Do you let your heart go there? Do you ever just spend time just dreaming about heaven? Because I would say you actually should. Because what are you doing when you're doing that? You're moving beyond just knowledge and you're letting it seep down into your heart. Because you want as a Christian not just to have the eyes of your brain open, but the eyes of your heart. Okay, Paul gives us another thing that our eyes of our heart should be open to. So let's look at 18 again. He says, I pray that the eyes of your heart may be enlightened in order that you may know, one, the hope to which he has called you, and now two, the riches of his glorious inheritance in his holy people. Now, we actually need to look super duper closely here at this verse and at this grammar because most people, when they're just perusing through Ephesians, read this verse incorrectly. We see the word inheritance and we think, oh, yeah, my inheritance. I'm a Christian. I'm an adopted child of God. Someday I'm going to have an inheritance that's eternity in heaven with Christ, right? And Paul's talked about that even earlier in Ephesians, but he's not saying that right here. So put your eyes on this. I want you to see this. Okay, 18. When he starts talking about his glorious inheritance, he says this. The riches of, now shout it out. What's the next word? I'm sorry, what'd you say? His. Uh, Whoa. His. God's. His glorious inheritance in his holy people. Do you understand what this is saying? This is unbelievable. It's saying that you, you are God's inheritance. Whoa. This is a powerful verse in scripture. I mean, think about this, okay? The whole world is God's, right? All of it. Every tree, every mountain, every ocean, every animal, down to the duck-billed platypus, right? It's all his. But you are different, You, believer, it says, are his inheritance, his particular treasure. You are so precious to God. You know what that means? That means that God, because you're in his inheritance, it means that God is looking forward to spending time with you face to face in heaven. You ever thought that way about God? Isn't that amazing? That he just, he's up in heaven and he's smiling, thinking about, you know, one day, you're both gonna get to see each other face to face. That's amazing. I want you to know, you, from the word of God, I am telling you, you have so much worth to God. He spent everything to get you. He spilled his blood for you. I think this verse helps that fascinating verse in Hebrews 12 makes sense where it says, for the joy set before him, he endured the cross. Now sometimes I think we read that like, what joy is there in the cross? Well the joy for Jesus was that he knew that if he endured it, the cross, what would he get? The answer is you, his inheritance. I think there's just a richness here in the scriptures that I don't know if our hearts are all that open to. Or you think of it this way, okay, when you think about something 
for a really long time in expectancy, uh, what will happen is your heart will grow more fond towards that thing. You know, a perfect example of that is like a mother with a child in her womb, right? Well, at first, you know, you find out you're pregnant, you're excited, but at first you can't even really feel or notice anything. But what happens over time, once you get past like the vomiting stage, right? But over time, and you get all the little baby punches and baby kicks, what's happening to your heart? Your heart is growing in fondness of them to the point that when you get to see that child face to face and hold them in your arms, your heart is just exploding for them. Now take that same thing and put it on a grander scale because the Bible says that God chose you, believer, not nine months ago, but before time began. And his heart for you and all the just eons that he's thought of you. His heart for you is just ready to burst when he can embrace you in his arms and see you face to face. He can't wait to be with his inheritance. And see, I don't know if all that many of us have really let that sort of biblical truth on the love of God hit us, not here, but here. And that's what I want you to do this week is just to call out to God and say, show me your love here, Deep down inside of me, God, I wanna know it. Okay, and then Paul is gonna give us another truth that we just need to see and start asking God to show us in our core. We're gonna move the knowledge from here to here. Now, I'm a big fan of knowledge. I think knowledge is really important, but we gotta move it somewhere, right? Okay, so here's the third thing. We're gonna jump to verse 19 now. So he wants the eyes of your heart to be enlightened to what, 19? To his incomparably great power for us who believe. So here's, here's the third prayer that I want you to pray this week. I think I missed the second prayer. I missed it in first service too. What's my problem? Okay. So you pray. Number two, God, open the eyes of my heart to see that you treasure me as an inheritance. And number three, you're praying, God, help me see in my core just how amazing your power is, that it cannot compare to anyone else. And that power is so great that Paul actually starts explaining it, and this is the second half of 19, so look at this again. So he says, I want you to know God's power, and he says, that power is the same as the mighty strength that he exerted when he raised Christ from the dead and seated him at his right hand in heavenly realms. And then in the rest of the passage, he just goes on to explain more of what the power of God is. So think about this. What does this mean for you? It means that the very same power that God used to raise Christ from the dead is available to you. That's what he's saying. Do you know that? Do you believe that, Christian? Because I actually think this is a perfect example of something that as Christians that we say all the time that we believe, but then deep down inside we don't actually all that deeply believe. I'm just being honest. But think about this, okay, if God could create the universe with a word, right? If God could walk on water, if he could raise a crucified body all the way to sit up at the right hand of the throne, then God can do anything. And Paul is praying that Christians would open their eyes to the power of God again. And I just think for too long, the church in America, particularly the evangelical church, has been, we're really apt to talk about God's power, but honestly, I think we're a little scared to believe in God's power. But God can do anything. I'm telling you right now, the same power that raised Christ from the dead is available to you to free you from alcoholism. 
I'm not lying to you. The same power that raised Christ from the dead is available to you to miraculously bring your marriage back together. Our God can do that. The same power that raised Christ from the dead is available to you to start freeing you of the depression that's just been haunting you or the crippling anxiety. Our God can do that. But we are so quick in America. Half of you already went here mentally. I just said what God could do and you went, yeah, but actually, you know, I've kind of really struggled with this for a long time and you know, well, my marriage is different and actually I mine it. If God could create Jupiter with the snap of his fingers, he's not looking down at your life and going, yeah, but they have kind of struggled with that bitterness since childhood, so that's a tough nut to crack. <laughs> it's the power of God, it's the same power. It's an incomparable power, Paul says. And I think this is incredible news because for most of us, our lives are pretty messy, despite what we try and hide from our suburban friends. Okay, and just another tip here or another quote here isn't gonna revolutionize your life, but the power of God can. Now, we don't know God's will, right? But we need to pray like God has that sort of power. And the only way that you'll do that is if you open your heart up to his power. Not just say, yes, God, I believe you're powerful. Do you? Do you believe it? Do, deep down inside of you, do you believe that he could do those sorts of things in your life? Because that's what Paul wants for us. Not intellectual assent, but that the eyes of our heart, the core of who we are, would be open to that. And so my prayer for you this week is I just yearn for you to pray through this, for your heart to be open to this. If you didn't write this down, honestly, you could even take a picture of this. This would be something to do in your quiet time, your time with the Lord this week. There's a list to just pray through and say, God, this is what I want. To say, God, I need you to open up my heart. That $100 million hope, God, help me see it. I wanna see it, I wanna see it, I wanna see it. God, the fact that you treasure me as your inheritance, just say, God, I'm down on my knees. I'm not even getting up until I actually start getting how much you value and love me. What are you doing when you pray like this? You're praying from your heart, right, not just your mind. To say, God, my life has been messy and I need your help and I say that you're powerful, but do I believe that you're powerful? Show me deep down in my heart. Open the eyes of my heart. In fact, I wanna do this as a church of right now. And so, what I'm gonna do is I'm actually gonna call our worship band back on stage, and they're gonna lead us. And we're gonna pray that the Lord would open the eyes of our heart. And I encourage you, even think through one of these three things as you sing, okay? Don't just say the words, think through one of these things, or maybe it's something really similar that the Spirit has kind of put on your heart this morning, and then talk to the Lord about it. Why did you come here? This is what we say all the time. I hope you didn't just come to learn take a few nice organized notes. I hope you came to meet with God. And I pray that you do this right now and you just pray from your core, Lord, open the eyes of my heart to see how worthy you are. All right, let's, let's pray and then we'll talk to God. Lord Jesus, we ask as we come to you now that we don't just sing, that we connect with you, that we meet with you in this space, in this worship center. Lord, we pray that you would open our eyes to see your power, to see your love, to see the hope that you've given us. God, expand our vision of how great you really are. We love you so much. In your name we pray. Amen.